Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to another episode of Just a Fan Podcast. You got um, me, Brandon Williams, and my boy, Eric Wright. We're going at it again two weeks in a row. Um, This is going to be our final podcast of the 2021 calendar year. Um, next next year should be some big things coming along. We got we definitely got some things to talk about. Um, Eric, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good, man. Um, upset that my break is coming to the end, and I got to go back to work soon. <laughs> I feel you on that one, man. Mine's coming to an end too. I'm yeah. uh, I'm back at it again on Monday. But the Trey Lance era may be beginning in San Francisco. All right, man. Well, you know, we may have to um, get into that. But first, let's get um, let's talk about somebody who was a coach in the Bay Area on an NFL scale, on NFL level. John Madden passed away um, yesterday morning, age 85. He was the young at the time. He was the youngest coach to have won the Super Bowl, um, won the 1976 Super Bowl over over the Minnesota Vikings. Then he ended up become he ended up retiring at the age forty two. Then he um, became a broadcaster, and you definitely know him for having multiple John Madden video games. I believe the first one started in nineteen eighty eight, if I'm not mistaken. And of course, they're still running very very well today. I have played Madden so much uh, in my uh, youth. Yeah, and currently uh, that I have lost track of when it started. I know it started. I want to say late 80s, but it might be early 90s. Right, Maybe. right. Yeah, but yeah, his, 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 you know, most people know him, the younger generation know him as, oh, yeah, that's, that's who the game is named after. But they don't understand his contribution just to the overall game of professional football. Oh, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I, My first Madden video game I played was Madden 94 for Sega Genesis. And actually, my story of me being a Dallas Cowboys fan is really because of John Madden 94. I was trying to figure out um, who was the best two teams. I mean, who was the best team in the NFL at the time. It came down to Dallas and your team, San Francisco. And But because my favorite color is blue, I went Dallas, and I learned Dallas history, and I never um, looked back. Yeah, I, in 94, see, I'm aging myself right now. In 94, <laughs> I was a sophomore in college. All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, I had been playing Madden for a while. And yes, it was Sega Genesis. Uh, Definitely. I want to say, I'm trying to think what platform it was on before Sega Genesis. Because it was, I want to say Madden was on Nintendo toward the, right before people started switching to 16-bit games. Right. So, uh, the game got more and more inclusive and you got to do more things. Like my favorite version of Madden is the Gears. The first year they allowed trades. Oh yeah, trades. And and then then the, the next milestone for the game was when they allowed you to create players. Because I think everybody, everybody who's watching, who's played Madden, has created themselves. Yes. And and and, and played with themselves. That's and, right. Pardon the pun, but I mean on the game, but. You know, you, you you played you played as yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I still do it today. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I, every time there's a new version of man that comes out, I start my franchise mode, which was another milestone. Yes, oh, oh, I love franchise. I love franchise. Oh my goodness, I love franchise. And the one and um, I used to love uh, Craytron Playbook. Yes. Now I wish they would go back to. Uh, they kind of took that away. Yeah. Uh, where you could create your own plays. Yes. And I used to love that that feature yes. of the game, but you know, uh, I know we had a lot of input on his game, but just uh, the, just the, the the game of football itself, he changed how guys broadcast football. He changed how guys analyze and, and look at plays. Like when they when they gave John Madden that pen, that light pen, when he wrote on the screen, that changed everything. How people, you know, it's like this guy's gonna come over here. He's gonna go. You know, he has a city linebacker coming. That linebacker's gonna go boom. That was like his catchphrase. That boom, boom, boom. yep. <laughs> and, 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 and the thing about it, and the thing about it, he used to um, on his commercials too for tough acting to knock down. Yeah, yeah. If you got if you got athlete's food, just if you got athlete's food, just use boom, tough acting to knock down. I 
think he I think he got a trademark or a copyright on that because like I've never heard anybody else do it like that. Boop. That, <laughs> yeah, he was legend. Legend. Like, they turned him loose like a kid in the candy store with that light pen because after a while he started like drawing on the screen with stuff that didn't have nothing to do with football. It's like this guy's gonna come over here. He's gonna fill up the Gatorade cups and he's circling the Gatorade cups. He's yes. Like, he's gonna get it from this cooler over here and then this guy's gonna take it in the back. And he's gonna fill it up and bring it back out, and then they're gonna fill up some more cups. And like, damn, John, what you? The game going on, bro. What you? <laughs> John is the wildest dude ever. Uh, he was, yeah, that's what he made. He changed broadcasting as we know it, and made it fun too. Out. Yeah, he just changed the, the game. He's a he was a game changer, man. He, yes, you know, yes. He just wasn't. He was just you know when when they sent when God sent somebody down to be special. They sent John Madden yes. to be special for the game of football. Definitely. They sent certain people to be special for certain things. And John Madden, you know, he had success as a coach. People don't even, you know, people don't even talk about his success as a coach for the Raiders. You know, uh, he, he, I got, know he, he got them to the playoffs quite a bit. The toughest team that he had to deal with, though, was the Pittsburgh Steelers. That still current defense was something different. Oh man, that Steelers Raiders rivalry within the AFC was kind of like your '90s Cowboys and 49ers. Like definitely, they, they weren't in the same division, but they were in the same conference, and they was always bumping heads. And it was exactly, like a genuine hatred. Yes, between those two teams, the way they played. But uh, you know, I think shoot, John Madden was probably the only coach that Al Davis could really tolerate, and vice versa. You know, John Madden can put up with Al Davis. Al Davis can put up with John Madden. Right. You know? But uh, yeah, man, he man, John Madden. We could talk about the entire podcast talking about the greatness of John Madden to the game of football. Uh, he's gonna be sorely missed, and uh, he had a good life. Eighty-five, man. I wish I could live to see eighty-five. Uh, everybody, if anybody lives to see 85, you blessed. If you live beyond 85, you definitely blessed. Yes, sir. Um, right. I was telling some friends the other day when I got the news, like, hey, you know, John Madden passed. They're like, oh, you serious? I'm like, yeah. And then somebody asked me, well, what happened? I'm like, he 80, he was 85, man. Exactly. Like, what you mean? Like, I understand if somebody was 28 and you say they died, you know, hey, man, what? Oh, it was a car crash. Oh, well, you know, this, that, nothing. He was 85, bro. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like he had a long and full life, you know, and left a huge legacy. Definitely. Uh, you know, and a lot of people either talk about that. I tell my students a lot of time, it's not so much what you do while you here, is what you do that'll be that'll have you remembered once you're gone. Exactly. And we're, we're talking about like freshman to senior year in high school, but just in life in general, that applies, like, you know, in, in life in general. It's like, what legacy are you leaving behind? Uh, so people are going to know you and remember you years after you've gone, long after you've gone, the effect that you leave. So, you know, that's 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 living. So he had a good life. So I, you, I, I feel like we, you know, we're kind of sad that he's gone, but we need to celebrate his life. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because he should be celebrated, you know. Look at that. God, that's got to be the first one. Yeah, that's the first one. I believe, I believe that's the 1981. Look at him just having yeah. fun. That's John Madden having fun. Um, I was watching the special on Saturday, too, and um, it showed him trying to sh uh, circle Troy Aikman's not having a having any facial hair at age 28, 29 years old. Talking about something he's trying to grow. He's, he's doing a terrible job of growing facial hair and just making fun of Troy Aikman. But uh, now, now that was him, man. He just he, full of full of life, man. Full of life, and he's gonna be he's gonna be missed. Yeah, he just he just he, he stayed with the jokes. He kept it light. Yep. Uh, I, I think that's what what really what it was that really was his niche is that he 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 kept a lot of things light. Yep. Uh, and and people appreciated for that because he had some levity in football. Yeah, football series. Yeah, we bumping heads. Yeah, we we out here to, to kick the other guy's butt. On the field, but he added that that levity to it that made it even more entertainment. He yep. turned football into an entertainment aspect. 
So yeah, but man, John was he's amazing, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So um let's get into some of these scores from the weekend. Uh let's do what do you think about the oh that was a huge blowout? The Kansas City Chiefs over the Pittsburgh Steelers 36 to 10. Was that that's all they scored? I, to me, watching that game, it felt like they they won by fifty. It just looked like a total just you know, it's like it's like it's like Kansas City came in and it was like, nah, I tell you what, I like you and I want you. Now we could do this the easy way or we could do this the hard way. The choice is yours. And it looked like the Steelers chose the hard way. They sure that's, did. That's how bad of a beating it was. It was like I never I'm gonna be honest, it's been a while since I've seen the Steelers take a beating like that. Correction. They took a beating like that in the playoffs against Cleveland last year. To that, be that, to be honest with you, even though the game was tied, you can almost say they took a beating from Detroit because Detroit should is nowhere near their level of competition, but they tied that game up. To me, to me, that's an unofficial beating. Let me tell you something about Detroit. See, I don't want to change subjects here, but they're set up to be a problem for the rest of the NFL in a few years. Oh, yeah. Because the one thing, and we talked about it in our little chat group, but the one thing that Detroit has going for them right now, and if they maintain that, oh, my God, is that they have bought in to what this coach is laying down. They have, they have bought what he's selling, and they, even the games, if you watch Detroit play, even the games that they have lost, they are scrappy. Yes. They fight to the bloody end. It looks like the Greeks at Thermopylae. Like, you know, we're talking about uh, the, the Spartans versus the Persians. And it, it's like, yeah, they get wiped out, but there's a bunch of dead bodies around them when it's on. You know you've been in a fight when you play those guys. Exactly, um, and you know they get the first round draft picks, and they can get either get a new quarterback or get Jared Goff to stop Jared Goffing, because Goffing is a verb now. Yes, it is definitely because he will golf it up. He will golf it up. Team be playing good, and he goes, no, I don't want to. I don't want to win this game. No, no we no, we gonna play some defense, and then we get it. No, I don't want to win this game. Let me throw this interception. You know that's Jared Goff will Jared Goff it up, but if they either Fix him, which I don't think is going to happen, or, and get some decent quarterback play. Don't even have to be great quarterback play, just decent quarterback play. They can be a problem in the in the in the NFC North in the future. They really can't. Yeah, they uh, definitely can be because um, and I know we off. I know we're coming off of Kansas City, Pittsburgh. Um, but for the NFC North, if Aaron Rodgers is not there anymore, um, I'm hearing rumors that Mike Zimmer could be out of there. So. Out of Minnesota, so that leaves you with, and we'll see what happens with Chicago's coaching staff. But they could end up taking over the NFC North with no problems in a couple of years. All they got to do is draft well, and well, and to get back on topic, because that segues into talking going back to Kansas City and Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. There's a power shift in the AFC North. Oh yeah, there's a definite power shift going on because the Steelers were the be all end all for a while. Oh yeah, them in Baltimore. And, and them in Baltimore, and now you witness in the Bengals asserting their their dominance at this point, and you start to see the the Steelers take a back seat, and they're going to take a back seat after Big Ben leaves. They're going to they're going to back up a little bit, you know. Now that's still a very talented team. Yes, but they're going to be hard pressed to find a, a suitable replacement for Ben Roethlisberger that's going to get them into that perennial playoff team role that they were in. Exactly. So, and the Bengals are going to get better. The, all the Bengals have to do is shore up that dog on offensive line. And my yes, God, yes. If, if Joe Burrow has an opportunity to to stand there and make sandwiches in the pocket, look out. That receiving core is the truth. Uh, three, Joe Mixon is going to have bigger holes to run up. They have three receivers. And guess what? All three of them are close to um, each other in uh, receptions this season. Yes, yes, he spreads the ball out well. So uh, you put that picture up of uh, of uh, the Steelers. I feel like the Steelers are on a decline. Uh, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. There's again still a bunch of uh, very uh, talented guys on that team. Mika Fitzpatrick, T.J. Watt, wide, and the, and the, the linebacker Bush. He's he's amazing. Yes, uh, but 
you gotta get a you, you gonna have to get a quarterback. Oh yeah. Get a quarterback. And and I think that it's gonna be a while but because of this draft class, I don't see them drafting a quarterback. They're gonna have to go and maybe try to go grab a guy like an Aaron Rodgers whose contract is up, you know, or trade for Russell Wilson or something along those lines if they want to stay relevant because the Bengals are coming. Yes, they are coming. And, 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 and Baltimore, look, let's let's remember too. Baltimore, they they performing well despite having not having their top two corners and Lamar Jackson not being healthy. So when they get those guys back next year, except for the two point conversion, I want to get it. Oh yeah, but, two point conversion that too. But so minus the two minus the two two point conversion um, failed attempts, minus the injuries, Baltimore's going to be a threat again next year. Yeah. So you're looking at three really strong teams in the uh, AFC North. Oh, Ben. But you're looking at uh, you're looking at three teams, and if Cleveland could ever get that act together, because that's so sometimes. One minute they look like a contender, the next minute they look like, what the heck are y'all doing? You know, it's like we don't know who Cleveland is. Cleveland won't show us who they really are, and, and that's the problem. But like consistently, the Bengals have been consistently good. The Ravens, you give them a pass because all the injuries, right? You know. Uh, the, you know the Steelers, they're gonna they're on their way down unless they can find a, a competent veteran quarterback to come in there and take over. You know, so yeah, the, the, you know the AFC North is really gonna be interesting in, in the future. Definitely, I, I do see a definite decline in the Steelers. In fact, I believe I picked against them this week. Uh, I think I did. Yeah, I believe so. Well, well I take. Well, I tell you what, since we um had discussed both AFC North and NFC North, let's um let's move over to this game. The Green Bay Packers over the Cleveland Browns 24-22. Um Nick Chubb over 165 yards from scrimmage off of 16 touches, and the team rushed for over 200 yards, but unfortunately Baker Mayfield threw for four interceptions. Okay, so here's Stefanski has a case of Kyle Shanahanism. Allow me to explain. Okay. Go for it. You got a devastating running game. You have a team who cannot stop you from running the ball. Your backs are averaging over four yards a carry. I don't know what the exact stat was, but I know I'm positive it was over four yards a carry as a team. Definitely. Okay. Because because Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb was gashing them bad. And you steady want to hang your hat on a quarterback who – I'm not going to say he's bad, but he's having a bad game. Right. So you don't have to hang your hat on him. Run the ball, control the clock. The best way to beat Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay is to play some good defense. Yes. And run the ball and keep him off the field. The Definitely. best defense for Aaron Rodgers is to keep him off the field. The best way to keep him off the field is running the ball. Yes. Ball control offense. And you can win this game. And Stefanski just, just got a case of Shanahanism where – no, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on my quarterback and we're gonna win this game, even though it's been proven that you can win by running the ball. And that's, the thing, why, that's why San Francisco lost to Tennessee. And the, and the thing about it is, um Stefanski and Shanahan, both of their offensive foundations is the same. Because mm-hmm. Stefanski learned his offense from Gary Kubiak, who learned from Mike Shanahan in Denver. So running that ball. If Baker, if, Baker, if Baker does not throw four interceptions, let's just say he throws one interception instead of four, I believe Cleveland still wins that game because yeah. you're talking about you only lose by two points, and if yeah. you run the ball a whole lot more – I mean, Nick Chubb – remember, Nick Chubb only had 16 touches. 16 touches and 165 yards. On my team, Nick Chubb is going to get at least 20 a game. And then, then you found a diamond in the rough with Dearness Johnson – who was the backup behind Kareem Hunt. And he, you find out, oh, wait a minute, he's a good back too. So I don't have to run Nick Chubb into the ground. Exactly. I can still run the ball and not run my star back into the ground and beat people. You know, so it, it was just, I'm going to just be real with it. Stefanski was stupid. He could easily won that game. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, Baker's looking like a hot mess right now. Unfortunately. Yeah, and, and it's like, I never really liked Baker Mayfield to begin with, just personally. I think he's kind of arrogant. And um, I just really – personally, I don't like him. But right now, he ain't got his stuff together, man. And, and it's okay 
because you have the infrastructure on your offense to where you can protect you when your quarterback's on a slump. You can protect Let's make some safe throws, okay? Let's get the ball in the hands of our uh, playmakers who are our running backs. Exactly. You know, you got David and Joe, who's a great tight end. I think he's really good. And he still you still got – Get him the ball. Let him make some runs out runs after the catch. He still got Juice Landry. Right. And they have another tight end so, on, on that roster who I like, who they got uh, from. Was it, it. was it Austin Hooper from Atlanta? Yeah, Hooper's over there. That's right. Yep. Hooper's over there. Um, but you, you basically you make safe throws. Yes. I, you know, we, we had a debate in our group earlier uh, this week talking about, well, you can't abandon the pass. Nobody's saying abandon the pass. You just – you don't have to push the ball down the field. You can make – you got guys who are playmakers who can make plays – beyond the length of the pass. So if I throw you a five-yard pass, you can turn that into a 10-yard game because you have uh, after-the-catch ability, you know. And, and, and you can win that way. And, again, going back to what I was saying before, the best way to beat Aaron Rodgers is to, to, to one, get up on him fast, and then, two, run the ball once you've got any kind of lead, whether it's a yes. three-point lead, whether it's a 10-point lead, whether it's a seven-point lead, run the ball. Close that game lead. out. The, you frustrate the heck out of Aaron Rodgers when, when he can't get out there. He's in his element when he's on the field. When you keep him off the field, that frustrates the hell out of him. Yeah, of course. And because he, he can't, you, he, you're tying his hands. When he's on the field, he's like, I don't care. Well, how many, how many seconds we got? Oh, 37 seconds. And I'm going back to when they beat my team. We gave him too much time at the end of the game. We scored too fast at the end, and we gave him 37 seconds. He got us in the field, got them in the field goal range, won the game. And that's the thing you can't give that man any time at all. Right. When you when you have that lead, and you give the ball back to Green Bay, it needs to say all zeros across the clock. Absolutely. Or you need to be up by enough. Even last minute score, that's still going to lose the game. Exactly, and that means 10 points or more. Right. So you know. But Stefanski dropped the ball on that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Kyle Shanahan dropped the ball in Tennessee. Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, talk about uh, going into that game, Tennessee versus uh, uh, San Francisco versus Tennessee. Well, let's, talk, was, about, let's talk about that game because Tennessee beat y'all 20 to 17 um, on Thursday night football. It was a Travis, Travis Sham mockery. It was a travesty of Sham and a mockery because it, it made no sense. First thing first. Same thing that Stefanski did in Cleveland. Same thing that Kyle Shanahan did. And it's like, why are you leaning on a suspect quarterback to win your games? The the run-pass ratio for a team like San Francisco should be two to one. You should be running the ball. There should be two running plays to every pass play. That's how, that's how we win. You go back, you check the stats. And the games where we run the ball over 30 times, we won. I don't think we've lost a game this season where we run the ball over 30 times. But when we when our pass ratio, run pass ratio is off, and Shanahan is like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Jimmy Garoppolo Tom Brady. No, he's not Tom Brady. And I'm going to say it again, like I've been saying, you do not try to win the Kentucky Derby with a pack mule. Jimmy Garoppolo is a pack mule. You cannot win the Kentucky Derby with him. You can pull a cart with him. You can you can chase off uh, coyotes out your field with a, with a donkey. That's that's ranching target for folks that know. But don't ask him to go out and run win win the Belmont, the Freakness, or the Kentucky Derby. Exactly. Damn sure not the triple uh, the triple crown. You know, uh, can you win with Jimmy Garoppolo? Absolutely, but you have to use them the right way. And Kyle Shanahan is still leaning on Jimmy Garoppolo like he's like. You know, like he Deshaun Watson or something. It's like, no, he does not do that. And he's screw-up prone. Remember in our previous one, I said he's due for a screw-up game, our previous podcast. I said he's been playing too well. He's due for a screw-up game. Wait for it. It's coming. And sure enough, Jimmy Garoppolo single-handedly lost that game. 95% of the reason why San Francisco lost that game is because of Jimmy Garoppolo. The rest of it is on the back end. Which that's another thing that was completely stupid. You know, Ambry Thomas and Josh Norman are complete uh, Shriners burn victims 
you know, and you steady got the you got every Thomas out there trying to cover AJ Brown. What the heck is wrong with you? Man to man. You ain't got a safety over the top. That's all they had was AJ Brown. So you put a safety over the top and you jam him at the line and you you make it very difficult for Tannehill to complete passes to him. Make him beat you another way. That was just completely stupid. That was a game that could have easily been won. Exactly. Really jeopardized our uh our playoff hopes. We're still the sixth seed, but now we gotta win out to hold on to just the sixth seed. That's insane. Oh, when definitely, definitely. The game started off. San Francisco had complete control of that game. And they got to the second half, it's like that. Oh my god, that egregious interception, the first one that, that Jimmy threw. Like, there's no way in hell you should do that ball. Exactly. Second and nine, you inside the, you inside the ten yard line. A second and nine, he's covered. Throw it out the back of the end zone. Lead a fight another down. It, it's it's just it's just dumb. And then the wide open wheel route to Kyle Yuschek that probably wins the game down the line because it, that's a touchdown. He was wide open, completely overthrown. Completely overthrows this guy, you know. But I can't say, and people are like, oh, Jimmy this, Jimmy that, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. But I'm not as mad at Jimmy as I am at Kyle Shanahan because you enabled that foolishness. You, you're, the, you're the head coach. You're the play caller, and you enabled that. So you, I, I know what he is. Most knowledgeable football uh, fans know what Jimmy Garoppolo is. But you allowed him to do that. You're trying to tow a, uh, you're trying to tow a truck with a strand of hell. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, that's not going to work. Meanwhile, we only ran the ball 21 times. And Jeff Wilson's rounding in the form that he had before the injury. Like, give him the ball. Let him run the ball. Give Debo the ball. Let Debo run the ball. Not too much, but so on. You know, but, I mean, these guys, you witness these guys literally try to put the team on their back to cover up. Garoppolo's mistakes and after a while it just got to be too much. So yeah, we we go we lost that game and I blame coaches more than I blame players because you know what you got at this point in the year, you know what you got as far as players. You know what you got. Oh yeah. You know, and and just it is it's it's terrible. It's, it's it was it was terrible. That was a game that we should not have lost. And the the travesty of it is we're seven we've lost seven games this season. Seven. I can tell you right now, there's probably six of those seven games we would have won if Kyle Shanahan would have just stuck to the run. Simple. But no, you leaning on Jimmy Garoppolo like he's Russell Wilson, like he's Aaron Rodgers, like he's like he's Tom Brady. No, he's not that quarterback. So you know what Jimmy is, but you steady in denial about what he is. Coaches should know their quarterbacks by now, especially after a certain amount of time. If you, you, when, when they're a rookie, you learn, you try to figure out, okay, well, he's good at this, he's good at that, okay. But by that, but by that third year, that third year and beyond, you should know what your quarterback is inside out. Jimmy Garoppolo is 30 years old, and he's still making the same mistakes he made when he's in his early 20s. You see, that's sad. He's making rookie mistakes as a 30-year-old veteran quarterback. That's why I'm like, okay, it's Trey Lance time. Of course, we played, we played we played the Houston Texans this uh this Sunday, and I'd rather have a rookie making rookie mistakes than a 30 year old veteran making rookie mistakes because that's inexcusable. Oh yeah, definitely, it's inexcusable. So, and then Trey Lance adds another wrinkle to the offense because he's not a statue in the pocket like Jimmy is. Jimmy will take sacks that are completely unnecessary. I'm like somebody needs to tell him, hey, you do know you can throw the ball away, right? You don't have to take a 10-yard sack and put yourself in third and 20-something, third and next Christmas, you know. So, yeah, I, I just I'm, – I'm, I'm, I'm just over it. It's definitely time for, for Trey Erie. It's time. And uh, now here's the thing. Houston ain't no easy, easy win. Houston is not an easy win. They oh, no, not at all. Um, they to get it together, and Lovey Smith is a hell of a defensive coordinator. Yes, he is, and he's going to throw the book at Trey Lance on Sunday. And Pep Hel- and Pep Hamilton is a great quarterback coach with uh, Davis Mills. Let's jump into that game where the Houston Texans had, I believe, sixteen players 
on the COVID list and won the game, but yet beat the Chargers. Not just not low scoring game at all. No, not a low scoring game at all. No, I want, I want everybody to listen to me when I say this. The Houston Texans had 16 players on the COVID list. They won 41 to 29 over a playoff caliber team such as the LA Chargers. If I'm David Culley, I'm hanging my hat on that win at the end of the season. When they go to evaluate him at the end of the season, uh, even though the, the Texans are just a trash organization, the way they're run is just oh. horrible. But, and, it's not, and it's not just on the football field, it's off the field no, too. No, everywhere, everywhere. Every, yeah. Everywhere. They're just a horrible run, just a horrible run organization. Definitely. But but if I'm if I'm Cully, at the end of the season, it's like, well, what do you have to hang your hat on this season? I said, well, we beat a playoff caliber. We beat the brakes off a playoff caliber team with 16 guys, including Brandon Cooks, on, each, on a COVID reserve. Exactly. So I know I can coach. Okay, so you give me the pieces, and I can turn this thing around. Exactly. So, you know, that, that was an impressive win by them. And if you're a Niners fan, seeing them or whoever, I forgot who they closed the season out with, I'd be terrified. At the very least, I'd be cautious because they're not a push on the team. No, not at all. They are not the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nope. At this point, the Jaguars have mailed it in. But Houston is playing like they on their way to the playoffs, even though they're not. Exactly. They're playing like they played inspired football, kind of like kind of like the Lions we talked about earlier. So yeah, they're not an easy win. They're not an easy win at all. No, um, and uh, Carly, you said give him his players. You know, give his players on the offense, but also make sure you give Lovey Smith his players on defense because if anything, Lovey Smith can run a defense. When he was in Chicago as the head coach, that was that was a top five defense almost every year. Yeah, with, well, uh, with Rob Marinelli, a defensive coordinator. They, have, I believe, they have a lot of cap space. Yes, and they have some first round draft picks. I think they got. Well, no, I think they didn't have one, but they can. They can honestly. I would stay with Davis Mills as a starter. Yes, give him some protection. Give him some more weapons. And now you probably cooking with Houston is going to have a kind of a resurgence. You know what? You know, you know. I know I, this may may not happen this off season, but it needs to. This is the time that you definitely want to trade Deshaun Watson. Why? Because you you have this young quarterback, okay, and Davis Mills, who's being to, who's being taught by Pep Hamilton, who was a quarterbacks coach for Herbert last year, who was um, Andrew Luck's quarterbacks coach at Stanford and in, in Indianapolis. Let's start building around this guy. Let's trade to Sean Watson because that's your best trade chip. Get some draft picks this year and even the following year, uh, 2022 and 2023. Get those yeah. draft picks. Let's build this team because you can possibly build something in the AFC South where we're not sure who Jacksonville's head coach um, is going to be yet because um, they're interviewing eight candidates. We, may, um, we might talk, oh, about talk about that. too. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Um Indianapolis, we'll see what happens with them long term because I don't I don't trust Carson Wentz, but they and their defense coordinator could be a head coach one day. And then uh Tennessee, they're on a two or three year window when they brought in Julio Jones. So um Yeah, it is it's you know, um Deshaun Watson does not want to be there. No, trade him. Let 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 him go. Stop yes. trying to hold on to him like he's your property. And I, you know, I really don't want to get into that because I just feel like the, the McNair family feel like their players are like their slaves. And like, you are property, boy, you ain't going to work, you know, like that. And that's just how I feel about it. And if somebody wanna check me on it, you can email me. I don't care. And you're gonna get a you're gonna get an earful. But the way they behave, they could have gotten three first round draft picks last offseason. Of course. Easily. Easily could have gotten there, but they just want to hold on him. No, you're going to play for us. I don't want to play for you. You're going to play for us. I don't want to play for you. And they could have they could have done so much more. Oh, yeah, definitely. And now with all the things that are going on with Deshaun Watson right now, if they can get two first-rounders for him, they're doing good. They could have had three. Well, easily. let's see. Let's see. Let's see uh, when his case is. Um, 
and let's see what the results are. If the results are favorable for him, I'm sure team, I'm sure teams are sending out the um, private investigators trying to get whatever information they can and try to um, see uh, what they believe the ruling is going to be before we even know as a public because, you know, PIs are good for that. But yeah. um, if, if, they can, if they can get anything positive out of this case for Deshaun Watson, those two first-round picks could go back up to three or – and Houston, Houston needs to stop being greedy. Yeah. Because Houston was talking about some three first-round picks, two second-round picks, three players. And it's like, no, we're not giving up the world for Deshaun Watson. We give up we give up some we give up some draft capital for him. But we're not giving up, we're not giving up, we're not giving up two arms, a leg, um, and my three kids. You know what I'm saying? Right. They're, they're trying to pull like the greatest bamboozle trick in trades I've ever seen. And they talked about it on NFL Network one time when Jimmy Johnson traded Herschel Walker to the Minnesota Vikings and got that haul of players. That, that basically a- propelled the Cowboys to those two Super Bowls that they got. Yes, it did. But that was back in, what, 1991? No one right. – Nobody's dumb enough to fall for that now. No. And, 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 and the thing about it is not only – okay, when he did that trade, it wasn't just for picks. It was for players that had draft picks also attached to them. So when he cut those players, they turned into draft picks. And Jimmy Johnson just willed and deal trade draft picks all all day long. And then at the end of the at the end of the day, still got Herschel Walker back a few years later. Yep. I mean, like they bamboozled the Vikings. It was just, it was it was insane. But that's what Houston's trying to do with some of these other teams. And they're like, man, we're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe, dog. You, you, nah, we'll give you three first for him, or we'll give you two first and a really good player. Right. You know, and he's worth that. Yes, definitely. But, but, but no, nah, man, no, nah, no. Nah. But, no, nah, Houston, uh, if they play their cards right, that's, that's a huge if because they're so poorly run. Mm. Uh if they play their cards right, they could be right back in the thick of things next year. They're of course, really, of course. Yeah. And they got they got me scared because I actually uh, I picked them to win this week. I did. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I I picked them to win because just I don't know. But uh, going back to the reason why I picked them to win is because Kyle Shanahan does not like Trey Lance. That's my theory. He did not want Trey Lance. John Lynch pulled rank and say, "Look, man." If we're going to give up three first-round draft picks, we're going to get a quarterback that has a high ceiling. We're not going to go get some guy where we know exactly what he is, and that's all he's ever going to be, like Mac Jones. Because Mac Jones, I'm going to say it again, he's a fatter, uglier Jimmy Garoppolo. And just Belichick and McDaniels are using him the right way. That's why he's having success. Exactly. They're not asking him to, to, to step out of his wheelhouse. They they make it a pack mule, be a pack mule, and not a dog on racehorse. So, but – I don't want. I digress from that. So, what? What? What's it? Do you, are you ready for my pick? So, we're gonna go to something else. We're gonna go to. Um, let's see. I'm looking at. The t- no, we're, no, we're good. Um, we're gonna get to. We are gonna get to your picks, though. Okay. Um, let's talk about my favorite game of all time. Are you talking about the boat race that happened Sunday night? The Dallas Cowboys over the Washington Football Team. Let me tell you something. The, the, the 56, Dallas, 56 to 14. The Dallas Cowboys should be arrested. And the Washington Redskins should be their cellmate because that was an attempted suicide. No, that was a suicide. Washington should be locked up for trying to kill themselves. And Dallas should be locked up for taking advantage of Washington trying to kill trying to kill themselves. That was the horrible. That was, oh, God, it was bad. You know, you always say, uh, you know, all bets are off in divisional games, but I think I picked that. If, I didn't do my picks last week, but I think I picked that as one of those runaway games. That was my lead pipe lock game. Right. You know, Dallas was at home. Washington's reeling from injuries. Uh, you know, you had some guys on the COVID list. You know, it was just really bad. And then Taylor Heineke had a completely uncharacteristic game. And Tristan, who's not on right with us right now, uh, you know, he was saying about Heineke, he's like, this is why Heineke is the best backup quarterback in the league. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's and, a great- and, and that's why Washington needs a real starting quarterback because Heineke's scrappy. He's going to go out and he's going to – if you got a four-game stretch, Heineke will probably win you two or three of them. But that, 
that that fourth game is going to be egregiously bad. And he showed it on Sunday night. That it was egregious. Oh God, the, the interceptions he threw to 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 uh. Trayvon Diggs. What were you thinking, boy? Trayvon Diggs stared the man down in the in the route. He said he just turned his head and tracked that ball and then just took it from it, him. It was it was awful. It was Ooh. awful. Mm. Uh, but you know, um, Washington. It, it was it was just it was oh god, it was just really bad. Now now on the flip side, let me say this. Okay. Dallas is having these runaway games against really bad teams. And that is true. Let's see and, let, let, let's see what they do. This. Let me let me let me let me clarify. Mm. If you if you're gonna be a good team, you're supposed to dog walk bad teams. So right. there's nothing wrong with that. However, my issue with the Cowboys is that basically they don't have a quality win under their belt. This you are, you are right. So let's see what let's see what happens Sunday night. I mean, not Sunday night, Sunday afternoon against the Arizona Cardinals at four twenty-five. I'm gonna be real with you. Uh, let, let's be real. Are the, are the Cardinals a quality team right now? Let's 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 be real here. Let's be real here. They are sliding. They are sliding. And you know what? Right, they didn't slid, baby. They oh my god, they look awful. And you know, but you know what? Guess what? I saw something on Twitter today that Cliff Kingsbury. Is a first half head coach. They're very successful in the first half of the regular season. And not, I'm not just talking about the NFL. No, I'm talking he's, about he's I'm, Texas Tech too. That's what I'm saying. And, and yeah. the, in the second half, falls apart. Because people figure him out. And, and, and I talked about it before I became a regular on this podcast. I talked about it in our group. There's a there's a, a, a there's really a, a formula to beating Arizona. And that formula is you got to bust Baby Yoda in the mouth, and because he don't like, he don't like contact. He don't like contact at all. I ain't talking about pressure. I'm not talking about hurries. I'm talking about hit him, because if you hit him enough, that's when he starts screwing up. He starts yeah. throwing errant passes. He starts throwing interceptions. And Dallas, and if, you, and if you can stop the run, and it hit him in the mouth, you pretty and can run the ball effectively. You got something going on there. Not to mention his security blanket. Is gone in yep. DeAndre Hopkins, who catches everything. Yep, sure does. So yeah, I'm like, you know, he's like, well, they playing a quality team? Are they really? Because at this point, are they a quality team? Dallas does have the dogs to go hit them because they have the attitude to go get to go get after him, and they have the DBs uh, with the ball skills to go pick off the ball. And without DeAndre Hopkins, that's a big miss. Yeah, I mean, AJ Green is out there doing okay. Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore have kind of disappeared. They they were they were more factors when Hopkins was in the game because all the attention was on Hopkins. Exactly. There's nobody right now. Uh, 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 Ertz is just in. Eh, he's just okay. They were major players when Hopkins was on the field because he drew all the attention. Yeah. But you can evenly spread your coverage out now. Because Hopkins not on the field. Because although AJ Green is still good, he's good now. He's not great anymore. He's good, just just good, but not great. So you you, you know they're easy to defend, and you know I'll be honest, man. They they just ain't got it like they had anymore. They gonna have to show me something uh, this Sunday to show me that they are a playoff caliber team. They did enough work. It's kind of like that kid in your class at the beginning of the semester who makes a bunch of A's on a bunch of different papers and assignments and then slacks off at the end of the semester but has done enough work to pass the class. Right. That's how they're getting in the playoffs. What they're doing right now would not suggest their playoff team. No, not at all. You know, so, again, going back, Dallas has not played any quality opponents. And let me see. Right now, what, they're the two seed, I believe? Two two seed in the NFC, yes. So they would have to play the seventh seed. The seventh seed, and that is that would be. Is that Minnesota? I think it's Minnesota. It's in the air right now. It's kind of in. The, I think it's the Eagles. I'm sorry, it is the Eagles. That's right, it is the Eagles. And, and they're gonna dog walk the Eagles. So you get past the first round, but the second round you're gonna hit a buzzsaw because you're gonna have to see like Tampa Bay. You're gonna have to see Green Bay. You're gonna have to see somebody like that. 
you know, and it's like, because those are quality teams who are playing quality football, high quality football at this particular point. Because I, I don't even count the Rams as being, you know, viable because they're inconsistent. Yeah, they are inconsistent. Um, to, right now, the offense is Stafford a cup, Stafford a cup, Stafford a cup. I mean, I mean, I know OB, I know OBJ's there. I know they have Sony Michelle, Cam Maker. Cam Makers is a surprise to me because he's coming back off a torn Achilles five months later when that's a 12-month rehab. That's going to be a problem for him later. Now, it's just a question of which Rams team shows up. Yes. guess what? You know who else got, got a case of Shanahanism? Your, your, your favorite head coach of all time who's younger than me, Sean McVay. Sean McVay. Sean McVay has lost so many games because he refuses to run the ball. Like when, when the 49ers dog walked uh, the Rams early this season and everybody picked the 49ers to just get destroyed and they dog walked uh, the Rams. Basically, Sean McVay, I, I got to force the ball to OBJ because I just got my new toy. I got to use it. No. And you lost that game because of that. Stafford, Stafford got picked off twice. One of them was a pick six. You know, and – McVay don't even realize the stable of running backs that he has, and he hardly ever uses them. Now they're starting to run the ball a little bit more. Let's see if they stick to it. But the Rams will become really dangerous if they use Sony Michelle and Cam Akers uh, as another guy in their backfield is pretty decent as well. Henderson, Daryl Henderson. Well, Henderson's out. Oh, he's out? Okay. That's right. He is out. He is out. He is out. Uh, it's another guy. Uh, I can't think of him. Um, okay. I don't know who it is then. But if they run the ball more and then do more stuff off of play action to Tyler Higby and OBJ and all of those guys, then they'd be, they'd be a hell of a lot more dangerous. But it's the arrogance of uh, Sean McVay that's going to lead to that downfall. But they all come off that same Shanahan tree. The foundation of offense, I, hey, I told you, I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of the foundation of the offense because oh, the, 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 the concept is sound, but the concept is based off of running the ball. Oh, yeah. And all, all of those coaches, Stefanski, McVay, Shanahan, they want to win so where the MVP of the game is their quarterback instead of just winning. No matter how they don't like to win ugly. They just want to be all pretty and, and glossy and glamorous That's with tough. how they win instead of saying, hey, there's a W there instead of an L. It doesn't, doesn't work in the um, playoffs. Yeah, and, and, and I tell you what, I I know who the, I know Aaron Rodgers the quarterback, but Matt Lafleur likes to do that, likes to do the same thing, and Lafleur's got to realize that Aaron Rodgers not is not going to be there too much longer. And you you can do that with Aaron, Aaron yeah, Rodgers, of course, of course. But, but but like you just said, if Aaron Rodgers decides to go somewhere else, whether it's to the house or to another team after this season, yeah, man, Lafleur's going to learn how to run the ball. Exactly. You want to know how to run the ball and play some defense, which Green Bay's defense is getting a lot better. Uh, but that that's the thing. You can only run and lean on those the, the passing game if you got a quarterback the caliber of an Aaron Rodgers. Stafford is not the caliber of Aaron Rodgers. Nope. Jimmy Garoppolo is not the, the, the not no, the caliber. Of Aaron Rodgers. No, sir. So you have to have a superlative quarterback in order for that that to work. And that's why Green Bay is the number one seed right now. But you like I said, you let Aaron Rodgers decide he wanna go to the house at the end of this contract. Or you let him decide he wanna go somewhere else. Like it will be terrifying if Aaron Rodgers went to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh becomes viable again. Yes, they do, definitely. You know, uh, but you know, that that that's the thing. It's like some guys just they they can't see the forest for the trees. They always like to cut their grass with scissors, like my granddaddy used to say. Boy, you cutting your grass with scissors. In other words, you're just doing things the hard way instead of doing what you do best. So you know that that's why I don't trust the Rams in the playoffs. Um, and really, honestly, I just don't see them going very far because they're starting to fall off now. If Shanahan does what he's supposed to do and removes a head from rectum, you know, we should win these last two games. But I just don't see it. Right. I understand. Okay. Yeah. So, so speaking of coaches, the Jacksonville Jaguars are attacking first as far as trying to get the next head coach. 
they have requested to interview eight different guys who are either current coordinators or former head coaches for the head coaching vacancy since the firing of college college football sensation Urban Meyer. They are interviewing the likes of Byron Lovewich, Jim Caldwell, Doug Peterson, Keller Moore, Dan Quinn, amongst others. So, Jacksonville. Let me tell you something. Talk to I'm me. Not mad, I'm not mad at what Jacksonville is doing. They are not leaving any stone unturned. Not at all. They are going. They calling everybody. Yes. So, hey man, he's kind of good. Let's give him a call. Hey man, he's kind of good. Let's give him a call. And it's like there's nothing wrong. With Let's see. Let's sort it out from them. Let's see who interviews the best. Let's see who fits our personnel the best and make a decision from them. Exactly. I, I think it's fantastic. Now, that being said, for the sake of Trevor Lawrence's development. Yes. He's a very good uh, offensive coordinator. Yes, he is. So, like, it's like a win-win in every situation to bring Byron Leftwich in. Uh, he will be the, the number one guy on, on my list of candidates if I'm going to bring in candidates. Then after that, probably Doug Peterson. Then after that, maybe Kellen Moore. You know, but it needs to be somebody – who knows quarterbacks and those offense who knows offense and who knows quarterbacks and can develop Trevor Lawrence into what he's supposed to be. Actually, I'm going to be honest with you as a Cowboys fan. I would take Jim Caldwell over Kellen Moore. Here's my thing. One Jim Caldwell to me was successful in Detroit and was Detroit's best head coach in, um, in, a, in a long time. Yeah. So, real. so, yeah. So he so he will be great in Jacksonville, and he knows offense. But Kellen Moore to me is more of an offensive coordinator than a quarterback developer. Okay. Because the person who I believe dev developed Dak Prescott the most down there in Dallas was John Kitna. John okay. Kitna developed Dak Prescott to me more than anyone else. Kellen Moore is great for play calling, great for play designing and stuff. More so play designer play. Well, play call is not bad, but I would take actually here's here's my order. Love which one. I'm gonna take Carwell two. I know Peterson won the Super Bowl, but I want I want to see Carwell with a legitimate opportunity. And so I'll take Carwell two. I'll take Peterson three. And yeah, I'll take Peterson three and then Keller Moore four. Okay. That's fair. So I, I think we're in agreement that it needs to be an offensive-minded coach. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, uh, I mean, I've watched in all my years of watching football, my 46-plus years of watching football, when typically when you bring in a defensive-minded coach with a young, undeveloped quarterback, that usually ends in disaster. Rex Ryan. Yo. They don't know how to develop those guys. They just go out there and win me a game. And it's like, no, you you not you don't really coach them. You're not saying, okay, look, this is how you read this defense. This is what's going on right here. In this particular play, this is what we're trying to achieve here. You know, they leave it to the offensive coordinator. And sometimes you need the head coach to be able to develop those guys. Exactly. So, so the, the best for the sake of Trevor Lawrence, it needs to be an offensive-minded, quarterback-developing head coach. Yes. And then watch out because Jacksonville really doesn't have a bad roster. No, they don't. They really don't have a bad roster. It was just horrible culture. When they first hired Urban Meyer, I just started laughing because I was like, okay, let's see how this is going to pan out. Because there's been very, very few college coaches who have come to the NFL ranks and been successful. 
Harbaugh, Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Yep. Everybody, you could name maybe one or two more, but you got more failures than you got. You got uh, oh, definitely. Chip Kelly, Nick Saban. Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz. Steve Spurrier. Bobby Paterno. Bobby Paterno. Oh, my God. And the list goes on and on. Yes. So, like when they, And then you know, we had a discussion before. Urban Meyer doesn't really develop his offensive players when he was at Ohio State. They just was good on their own. He had three players that that that's been successful in the NFL: Michael Thomas, Zeke, and Terry McLaurin. And none of them were quarterbacks. Exactly. So that that tells you right there that was a bad hire to begin with. Mm-hmm. You because know, like those guys had to be developed, and and none of them wind up having NFL success as a quarterback. Nope. You had guys that came that were quarterbacks under Urban Meyer, and they pulled around there, got to the league, and changed positions. You know, Braxton Miller. Yeah. You know, so, 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 you know, that, that, that's the thing for me is that was the mistake when they hired Urban Meyer. And that's a mistake that I hope that they correct because if they do correct that with the roster that they have, they can make some noise very quickly. Oh, definitely. Definitely. With the right hire, they can. They don't have a bad roster. So, you know, the right coaching, man, they right back in the thick of things. And now we're talking about a four-way race in the AFC South now. You know, Indy's going to be good. Tennessee's going to be good once they get all their guys back. Jacksonville could turn around and Houston could turn around. Now you talk about a powerhouse division, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but. All right. So, so E, let's, let's finish strong. Let's do those. Let's do those easy E picks. All right, let's go. All right, so week 17 pickums. Um uh I got the Bears over the Giants. Uh, because the Bears went down in a snowstorm in B Seattle. That's not saying a whole lot, but then again, playing the Giants is not saying a whole lot either. Well, yeah, because I mean Mike Glennon starting at, probably started a quarterback either him or Jake Fromm. Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm, State Farm. But that's what Jake Fromm should be working for State Farm instead of Exactly. Mike Glennon looked like Opie Cunningham all grown up from Andy Griffith. So I ain't gonna I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna even talk about that much much more. Okay. Give me the pass over to Jags and a runaway. Uh fat ass Mac Jones gonna probably throw for 300 yards. Uh uh Harris is gonna rush for over a bill. Is they just gonna they just gonna jump on and beat him up and take their lunch money and they gold chain and all that. Um Give me the Rams over the Ravens. However, that could change because Lamar Jackson practiced today. Mm. Lamar Jackson could play. And I don't think they have anybody that can spy Lamar Jackson on the Rams defense. No, they don't. They watch they, they watch to use they watch to use Jalen Ramsey for that. Yeah, and then that takes away from the past the uh past Well, oh, actually, hold on, they got that one safety I like on that team, though. Who's that one safety? John, uh, not John Johnson. Um, Who's that one safety? If, if Lamar plays and he's healthy, throw that out. I, th- I still like the Ravens uh, if they can get a strong enough pass rush on Stafford. Uh, but as of right now, I got the Rams over the Ravens. Okay. Okay, give me the Bucks over the Jets. The Bucks are going to start to reassert their dominance again because after that, 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 who, that game against New Orleans, I think Brady's pissed off. Uh, he's like, no, nah, y'all must forget who I am. Exactly. And he finna go on a terror tour, uh, straight on into the playoffs. Okay, tell him right. Yeah. Oh, give me the the Bills over the Falcons. Okay. Uh, the Bills actually learn how to run the ball now, so they balancing out their offense with that that passing game, and and they're they're starting to pick up steam again right at the right time. But and and, and they're just that much better than the Falcons. I mean, let's be that, honest. That too. That too. I mean, it, it, yeah. I'm looking forward to that to be a boat race. Give me the Chiefs over the Bengals. Same reason. The Chiefs will learn how to win a different type of way. They're not just cock- cocking back and bombing people anymore. They went in with short passes to their playmakers or speedsters and letting them make runs after the catches. They're leaning more on the run game again. Uh, the defense is playing better. Yes, definitely. They're rounding in the form. They're rounding in the form and starting to look like the AFC champs again. And, I, and, also, and also right now the Bengals – I mean, they're good, but they're still too young to be ready for the Chiefs yet right now. Well, I think the Bengals are really getting ready for next year. I think yeah. This year is a preparatory for next year. Definitely. They, they serve a notice to the league this year, but next year I think they're going to really drop some bombs on people. Yep. Um, give me the Fins over the Titans. This is my upset special. 
uh, everybody kind of jocking the Titans uh, because they beat San Francisco like that. But I'm going to tell you right now, they were trying their best to give that, that game away to San Francisco and didn't. San Francisco didn't pick it up. The Finns' defense is extremely opportunistic. They're not going to play that foolishness with uh, Tennessee. Tennessee come out there trying to give the game away like they gave it away to Pittsburgh. Right. And they tried to give it away to San Francisco. Right. They tried to give it away to, to Miami. Miami going to take advantage. And Miami has won seven games in a dog on a row, and they're not playing with nobody. You know. Uh, now, that being said, uh, two is, is still kind of screw up wrong. He, he'll make a mistake or two. Right. But the defense kind of erases a lot of his mistakes because that defense is playing really well. Um, give me the Colts over the Raiders. Uh, Raiders, excuse me. Colts over the Raiders. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because uh, Jonathan Taylor is just a monster. He's just – and they doing what they're supposed to do. They running the ball. Take the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands. You know he's suspect. Okay, we're going to run this ball. We're going to have Carson make a few throws here and there. We're going to win the ball game. We're going to play some defense. DeForest Buckner. Uh, the, the kid out on the corner, Moore, who doesn't get enough credit. He's he's phenomenal. Yes, he's he a, is. He's a great coverage corner. Definitely. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play defense. We're going to get into these playoffs and see what's what. Um, give me the Eagles over the Washington football team. Yes. Um, honestly, I would really love Washington pull upset. Me too. I would love them to get it together, stop fighting each other on the sideline, mm. and fight the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just don't see uh, I don't see them beating the Eagles. I hope they do, but I just don't see it. Uh, give me the Chargers over the Broncos. The Chargers are going to bounce back after that embarrassing loss to Houston. And they're going to beat the Broncos because the Broncos are just not ready for prime time just yet. Uh, but they got some, some good pieces in place that they can get something done. Give me the Texas over the Niners because I really feel like Kyle Shanahan is such a narcissistic, egomaniacal fool that he would rather lose a game to prove himself right about Trey Lance not being ready than to actually win to go into the playoffs. That's just how bad I think his ego is. And he's going to make some stupid play calls in that game. Now, that being said, the Niners are a vastly better team than the the Texans. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be on Shanahan. If they lose this game, it's going to be Shanahan's fault. It's not going to be Trey Lance's fault. They're going to set him up for failure and put him in positions that he's not ready for yet. So that I, I still like the Texans over the over the Niners because I just don't trust Kyle Shanahan, and I won't trust him until he shows me something. Exactly. Um, give me the uh, Lions over the Seahawks. That's, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And let, me, and let me just say something real quick. Russell Wilson is tired of being in Seattle. Mm-hmm. That, that man is gone at the end of the year. New mm-hmm. York, New York Giants was a team that Russell Wilson wanted to go to. New York Giants is dumb for keep uh, for um, saying they want to keep Daniel Jones, which is dumb. I, I agree because because you could have just gotten rid of Daniel Jones and brought in Russell Wilson. But okay, yeah. But I like the Lions because the Lions they playing. That's another team that has nothing to play for, but they playing like they going into the playoffs. Oh yeah. Again, they scrap it. They kneecap biters. Yep. Like folks say, man, and they didn't bite in. Yes, they did. And I think the Seahawks, they so used to winning that they just don't know how to handle it mentally. Like, wait a minute, what do you mean we're not going to the playoffs? We but we but we the Seahawks. Shut yep. up, sit down, get on this couch. Russell Wilson is tired of being in Seattle and it's gonna really where it's gonna really show us ugly hair this this coming off season. Y'all be ready for this. Yeah. Uh, give me the, the give me the, the cowgirls over the the, uh, the Cardinals. Uh, Dallas was at home. Um, Arizona sliding. They're on a high. Arizona is sliding. The only way I can see the Cardinals winning this is if they go into that classic cowboy hubris that happens around this time of year, where they like, oh, we just gonna show up and put on this star on our helmet. We gonna win just because we wearing these uniforms, and they get caught slipping. Because uh, it happens around this time of year. It's been happening for the last 25 years. But we we them boys. We're just supposed to win. And that's the only way the Cards win this game. They catch Dallas slipping. Um, give me the Saints over the, the Panthers. Um, oh, yeah. Taysom Hill is back um, off of COVID. Uh, Sam Darnold is starting for the Panthers. This could be another pick em game. But the Saints defense is playing so well. Yeah, I yeah I can, Sam Donald trying to throw in that, against that 
I mean, if Tom, you saw Tom Brady struggle. If Tom Brady struggle, what do you think is going to happen to Sam Donald against that right. secondary? And the X factor that the Saints are at home. Oh. Yeah. That's so, all Taysom Hill got to do is go out there and not turn the ball over, and they can win this game easily. Exactly. All you got to do is take the ball, lean on Alvin Kamara, and lean on your defense, and they can win this game. Uh, give me the Packers in a runaway on the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, Adam, Adam Thielen's out for the rest of the season. And Jari, yeah. and Jari Alexander's um, back. Him against Justin Jefferson, it should be fun to watch. But at the end of the day, Kirk Cousins still plays quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins is Jimmy Garoppolo with a better deep ball. That's it. That's it. And you can roll coverage over to Justin Jefferson now that Thielen is not there. And dare, you, dare them to beat you with the other receivers. Because and, that secondary in Green Bay is a lot better than advertised. Davin Cook Davin Cook's going to need 250 yards to even come close Absolutely. to beating Green Bay. 250 and yards. And the Packers are at home. Oh, yeah. The Packers are in the frozen tundra. 250 yards needed. Right. Uh, give me the Browns over the Steelers on Monday Night Football. Uh, I feel like the Browns, if Stavansky's smart enough, he's going to bounce back and just run the ball and give the Steelers hell. Uh, I feel like Cleveland's defense is good enough. They can pull a repeat of last year's playoff game. And uh, Big Ben is like, he's at the point where he's just mailing it in because he knows he's going to retire at the end of the season. He's like, I'm, I'm mailing it in, man. I don't, I don't care. Right. My, my my goal, Jack, is pretty much solidified in five years. I really don't give a damn. Yep. Oh, and the Browns are still playing for their playoff lives. So that's part of it, too. So those are my picks. Okay. Uh, we'll see how right I am on Sunday, Thursday, tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Monday and all of that. So. Oh, there's no Thursday night games um, these last two weeks of the you're season. Oh, so right. You're absolutely right. So everything's Sunday and I think Monday night. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. So, yeah. Those are my picks, and uh, everybody who tuned in, thanks for tuning in. Shout out to Beaumont, Texas. Anybody from Beaumont that showed up, shout out to Houston, Texas, Missouri City specifically, and uh, the Willow Ridge Band fan. Hi, right, y'all. Um, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, thank you for um, joining us again for Just a Fan Podcast. This is the final one of 2021. 2022, Steve and Trisha should be back. They were not able to be with us, unfortunately, because things they had to do, and that's fine. But 2022, oh, yeah, we swinging for the fences. We're going Grand Slam. We're going to live by the three, die by the three. We're going to live by the blitz. We're going to die by the blitz, and we're throwing Hail Marys. Y'all be ready. Peace.